Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Sport Podcast. We delve into the use of artificial intelligence in motorsport with the help of AVL. The way racing and road cars work is changing rapidly through technology. One significant area is in terms of artificial intelligence, advanced driver assistance systems, C2X communication, these kinds of tools. They might sound like the, the opposite of motor racing, uh, but you might be surprised at some of the applications that could actually enhance motorsport and really, really complement it. It's not just a question of, do you eliminate the driver, as some people uh, boil it down to. It's, it's far more subtle than that. I'm your host, Ed Straw, and we're here in Graz in Austria with our friends from AVL who know all about this technology and have some interesting ideas about their possible future applications. So my first guest is Michael Retzel, the uh, Director of Motorsports of, uh, of AVL. So perhaps you can just remind us a little bit of AVL and, and what you have to do with this kind of technology. AVL, 10,000 people company, 40 uh, affiliates uh, worldwide, privately owned uh, by one single person, uh, very approachable and a good employer. Uh, AVL Racing is the motorsports arm of uh, AVL, uh, focusing on five key elements of development being uh, simulation, engineering, uh, making parts, testing uh, all sorts of uh, aspects of a race car 
and uh, going racing with our customers. Also joining me is Matthias Dank, the Global Business Segment Manager Racing. Uh, now, some of these technologies we, we've talked about, obviously you're, you're working with, do they relate to motorsport in your, in your day-to-day job at the moment? Uh, yes, definitely they do. On the one side, uh, AVL, uh, historically being an engine engineering provider, which has us driven down to the, through the last decades, uh, through all the elements of the powertrain. As of today, we speak about the five elements of the powertrain, which still is big, the combustion engine, but we have transmission, batteries, e-motors, and control systems. And most recently, going into the entire vehicle and everything uh, connected to that now leads to autonomous driving, uh, advanced uh, driver aid systems, and uh, the things with machine learning and artificial intelligence. Um, specifically, the latter one has been used in motorsports throughout the recent years. I would say the core competence of a motorsports team is taking engineering decisions on a minimum amount of building real parts. So simulation, vehicle dynamic simulation was big in motorsports before it came anywhere else. And also the, the part of digging information together may it be from past experience, from engineering expertise, from precise testing or from real testing and racing and, and, and distilling that down into the, into taking an engineering decision on how to, uh, how to improve the performance of a car, but also using strategy based or, or scenario based strategy approaches during the races. Coming from pure strategy analysis, when to do the pit stop and now coming down, you have, and that's one of the big advantages of motorsports with the telemetry at the car 2X communication. Car 2X communication is old in, in motorsports, specifically in Formula One with telemetry. You have during every second thousands of informations of the car available and not only of your car, but also of your competition. You get sector times, top speeds, uh, gearing information, uh, uh, lap times and taking this down together with, uh, with data about the weather meteorological data and trying to find the best strategy so these machine learning algorithms and all of the of, of the teams are using that uh, to a certain extent to really uh, derive the ideal strategy at any moment of time during the race out of that that gives an idea of the, the sheer breadth of this uh, this area of technology. It's, uh, it's enormous and influencing a lot of areas. Uh, my final guest is my colleague, Scott Mitchell. Now, Scott, in terms of this kind of thing, this, this is an area of interest for you because obviously you, you were around when Robo Race was starting, that kind of thing, the autonomous racing series. So it's you've got quite an open mind to this kind of thing and its potential application, should we say, certainly more so than some. I'm helped by the fact that uh, I've obviously grown up in a world that's becoming increasingly convenient. So uh, as much as... Uh, as much as I've uh, personally experienced and enjoyed that sort of individual element of uh, of, of driving, I, I I started racing karts when I was nine. I, my my dad used to race rallycross, and I grew up with pictures of like Mark One and Mark Two escorts. So I, I and I grew up at Lydon Hill watching supercars. So watching really old school turbocharged fire spitting machines was sort of part of my youth. And I've gradually become uh, convinced by the the, the benefits of uh, convenience and intelligence over sort of the impracticalities of of traditional racing and and well vehicles in general i suppose but it is it is fascinating to see how it's developed and there, there is a place absolutely for uh, artificial intelligence whether that comes in the form of autonomous vehicles or ultra smart uh, telemetry that sort of you can see it predicting itself case in point in monaco um on the the friday in monaco we were given this uh, this briefing by ferrari a special written media briefing where they basically the head of strategy and the head of vehicle uh, the development basically was 
talked us through some stuff and the strategy thing was amazing so they basically they played a recording from the previous year's race in in monaco um and they basically they the recording was of the uh, the ferrari strategy software so we got to see how it, how it works so they have the the car you have the gps position in the cars around the track and you could see how they're mapping um the, the, when it comes to the pit stops, how they're developing strategy, and absolutely fascinating. I've not, I've not seen anything like it before. Never had that level of insight, and it's brilliant to see. Sort of, they've got this automatic algorithm that it's it's plotting roughly where they think the car uh, will. If 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 Vettel pits at this point, this is where they'll have it on track, and they've got uh, data comparison points between uh, the nearest rival before the pit stops. They've they've they clearly show where. The, the car behind them or ahead of them on track might come out if they pit right now. And it's fascinating. All this stuff's done in real time. All, obviously, they build the, the they have the tool that's that's built beforehand, and then they basically this that particular part of the tool set they sort of let do its thing, and then they're just responding to. It. They just make a decision based on what they see. And I just remember looking at that and thinking that is that is an amazing combination of all of the available information. And you do not see that watching that. It's so easy to look at them and just say, oh, I can't believe Ferrari have ballsed up this strategy again. How have they managed this? And it's because it's so complicated. They've got, they've got so much data going on behind the scenes, but artificial intelligence, the way that it's sort of become, it's just part and parcel of it. So for, for something that looks so alien to me, it's just every day for them. It's just coming down to perfecting the finer details. Well, we've mentioned a, a few terms there. Should we just start off just by, so people can get their bearings, by defining some of these terms? I guess AI, artificial intelligence, is the one that people are kind of most familiar with, although it's kind of an umbrella term, isn't it, for everything from fairly weak AI that, that does very specific tasks through to people's sort of view of uh, artificially intelligent, self-aware robots that will take over the world, the, the science fiction version, should we say. But in terms of artificial intelligence for, for this kind of purpose, what, what, are, what are we talking about? What, what is it? People have to do things once. Do it twice, you try to automize it. When you do it a third time, you should be helped by an intelligence because otherwise you, you do it either wrong or again towards your best thinking. The best person about the artificial intelligence is next to me, Matthias. And, and he was the initiator of AVL's artificial intelligence program because when I saw him first time doing an Excel sheet, he has to do a lot of things to do. Secondly, the Excel did for him, and third, uh, he applied artificial intelligence. And this was like 15 years ago when he did build up our vehicle dynamics uh, simulation model. I think currently artificial intelligence is, as you said, a, a very big, boldly used umbrella term for, for, for a lot of things. We are far away from, from, from self-conscious machines that take over the world. Still, there is the risk that that might come to us one day or the other. So uh, people trying to have humanity refrain from using uh, AI and machine learning uh, out of defense industry might be a good idea. But coming back to motorsports, in the automotive industry, the parts that we that are currently really big used, I think it's deep learning, uh, it's it's machine learning. Then one of the big parts is computer vision. So a computer vision being the term that you have a 2D camera image and a machine uh, creates an object list out of that. Because because it's a very, even for humans, it's a very complex thing and takes a lot of brain power from a 2D image to really see that something is a, a simple shape like a sphere or a ball or a, or a box or a cube uh, and then really bringing that down to uh, having having this 
geometrical information and then bringing that back into a 4D information and bringing it into time domain, uh, seeing a kid on the side of the road and anticipating that this might cross the road. So that's, that's part of the machine learning and the, uh, of, of, of the machine and computer vision and anticipation theory behind that. And one of the other things that is very much data driven, that's machine learning and deep learning algorithms. And there is a big limitation to machine learning. Uh, machine learning is really good to anticipate the future if um, it does not differ too much from the from the past experience so basically it's a statistical method to find out how the past has behaved and trying to anticipate the future uh, and, and and one of the things where machine learning always will fail if um, there's a revolution behind if there are big changes on the market it just can't anticipate that because it still needs the level of uh, experience uh, and expertise and creativity that currently still humans only can bring uh, but at the end of the day finding patterns and finding repetitive patterns out of data uh, machine learning and deep learning is far superior to 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 what humans ever could do and then and that's the two things the one thing is the pattern recognition i find something in data to anticipate the future how other systems might behave and trying to evolve that into the into in, into motorsports but also using machine learning if i have found a pattern to uh, see if something differs from this pattern an outlier someone is behaving irrationally and uh, that very much comes if you bring it down to autonomous driving trying to detect failures before they happen just to see something that I have, or the algorithm or the machine has, is not aware what happens now. So I can go into an emergency program because something unforeseen might happen. It's the same, same thing that we would do uh, as a human driver. If we see something on the side of the road where we don't know, Hey, what's really happening now? You would step off the gas. You would try to avoid an encounter. And that's the same thing that you're using there. Well, we should say when it comes to that sort of thing applied to autonomous driving, everything's data. We sense data and process it. And that's, that's actually what AI is doing. And there's some areas where it's better than us, some areas where at the moment where maybe it's not, not as good, but that's, that's what it boils down to. Um, ADAS, advanced driver assistance systems. Now these are, that, that's kind of the, the name gives a bit of a, a clue to it. But what, what exactly are these? Uh, in terms of motor racing, uh, we we always clinched around that there's not so many sponsors around as we need the big beverages or fuels or whatever. Uh, we have forgotten that there's a lot of companies out there that do uh, mapping, that do autonomous drive uh, uh, systems. They might be interested to come in, but there's no platform at the moment. And uh, leave alone Formula One, it can be Formula E, World Endurance Championship. There can be elements of autonomous drive uh, integrated in the race. Uh, one example could be uh, when we look at the virtual safety car. So virtual safety car comes out, everybody goes on uh, standard speed. So speed drops down, distance is kept, tires are kept warm. That doesn't need to be done by a driver. This could be taken over for the time of the virtual safety car by autonomous elements which would open a platform to the Googles of this world to maybe step into uh, motor racing, where traditionally they wouldn't be interested at all. It's kind of a technical partnership, I think. It's like when you used to have, when you have a timing system provider and the, you see a bit of timing on the screen, there's the logo, same thing, virtual safety car comes out and it's whatever company. So that, yeah, it's technical partnership, isn't it? Uh, absolutely. A second, uh, a second opportunity would be if somebody is a specialist in... Uh, 
parking aids, autonomous parking. He could use uh, motorsport as a platform to market this uh, for, if you imagine, autonomous pit stops. So driver crosses the pit uh, lane. Uh, today he presses the ref limiter, but tomorrow he can press the autonomous uh, takeover. So car finds his pits, doesn't drive over his mechanics, uh, and only gets released uh, when all the mechanics uh, are safe and sound. So that's not something that needs major development. All the technology is here. Um, the, the, the barrier at the moment is the high speeds. Uh, so that makes it a little bit more difficult. But uh, speaking of virtual safety car or pit stops, speeds are limited anyway. And those are ideal, actually, because the reason you have a virtual safety car, the reason you have a pit lane speed limit and you don't want unsafe releases, all safety. It's because there's people involved. You don't want collisions in the pits and people and cars hitting people, that kind of thing. So that's kind of the sort of separate to the racing, the, the safety element. That, that's not a hard sell to people. It really is it because it, it's a controlled environment by its very nature. So logical, logical place to go. Absolutely. At the moment, obviously, there's another barrier. The regulation would say that the driver has to operate the car at any time. Uh, but yeah, that's a paragraph that needs to be looked after. Yeah, yeah easy to introduce. And, and C2X, car 2X, that's a communication tool. I have to admit, that's one I know probably the least about. So how do we define that? And Because it's about cars communicating with each other, isn't it? Well, in the outside world, outside of motorsport, uh, it should also have a safety feature that prevents basically cars from crashing into each other. And we are not talking about communication to the cars. It's about uh, preventing uh, from a major injury. And I don't want to sound like the safety doctor, but it is very annoying for sponsors, partners, team members to see a car stopping because he crashed, because some elements did lead to a crash. It could be introduced, and I'm not saying that I'm a big fan of that. I just say that the technology would be there to control uh, the crash and uh, not let it happen at full speed, but the computer can calculate what would happen if the cars crashed into each other, and then uh, a software takes over to penalize the person who is the worst driver and give him, for example, uh, for a period of time... Uh, less power uh, to gain. So he would drop down in the grid and needs to may, uh, make his uh, way up back again. Uh, we all want to see bumps. We all want to see car to car and driver to driver races. Uh, we don't want to see major injuries. We don't want to lose our heroes. That's another idea where autonomous cars and artificial intelligence can uh, play a role for the past year there have been all sorts of things about track limits that kind of thing and i guess that's another way you can you can you can use this these this kind of technology to uh to penalize people and work out where people should have been in in a queue of cars that kind of thing and just take the almost the human and judgment element out of it and just manage it that way absolutely we know everything about the race car we know if the turn uh, the wheel is turning we know if the if there's a heartbeat with the driver we know uh the uh every every speed of the wheel we know every temperature we know it, every tire degradation and we know exactly where the car is with all his four tires uh, on the racetrack we know exactly how the racetrack looks like so it's uh it's an easy 
control mechanisms as the steward uh, as the stewards of the FIA show us nearly every weekend now uh, yes and there is the the same same philosophy could be applied and I think one of the big advantages are using using a machine to determine if something is according to the rules or not and then penalize or not we would get rid of something like uh, a post-race penalty which I think nobody wants to see if there is a penalty, it should be during the race so that the lineup in the grid should be altered in real time, but not post-race. The level of interaction for the human being is on generating the regulations and the rules, but policing it could be done by a machine. You mentioned about the use of AI because it's kind of AI is always put forward like a like this sort of new thing that we're always on the brink of, but it is something that's been in use in various forms for for a long time. It is already used in motorsport. Racing teams use it. Companies like AVL use it. So it's 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 already something that it, that is here in various different forms yes it is and it has been for long i mean uh since the 70s and 80s and uh, since the mid 90s we're using it productively when the when the calculation capacity of of, of regular computers processors uh, and control units were just enough and it started with simple things as fuzzy logic or new neural network um, that was one of the big topics during the 1990s was neural networks and deep learning is just this basically the same theory on a far, far bigger scale. If you had networks then with a couple of thousand grid points, you now have billion of grid points because you have cloud computing. Maybe uh, one example out of also machining components, because that's also uh, part of uh, AVL, AVL racing business, is traditionally you would take a 3D model and a 2D print to define uh, how the component looks like, say, a cylinder head. Then off the CNC programmer goes for three weeks and programs the codes that then are transferred to a five-axis CNC machine uh, to manufacture for another three weeks this component. Imagine what it uh, what advantage it brings to a Formula One team to eliminate at least the three weeks of programming uh, capacity out of this process. What the programmer does, yes, he uses his brain to select a tool that manufactures that feature, say a hole, how deep it is, defines the speeds and feeds depending on the material. That's a classic approach for artificial intelligence to replace what the person would do day in and day out. I remember having a chat with uh, an XF1 technical director who was um, very interested in the way that Formula E teams may or may not be running different setup simulations and, and stuff like that because the idea was that back in the day the traditional way of a race team of running through various setups was take the car to the track send your driver out see how they get on come back make a change send the driver back out and you do this and obviously that's a very time consuming and costly way of doing it and the idea was that he felt that the next or the the the, the big thing for for formula e teams in particular was to was that you'd you'd gain a lot more if you invested in virtual simulations by uh, by by program software, whether it's cloud based or however you do it, um, by basically being able to run various different uh, uh, various different tests, whether it's on the setup, whether it's about uh, testing different elements of the powertrain, so you'd be able to work out the in, theoretically if you if you had all your information for your temperatures and your circuit and whatnot, you'd be able to work out well, what's the best car setup, what's going to be the best way to go around the lap in terms of harvesting energy what's going to be your best energy deployment strategy that sort of thing that sounds absolutely insane from a 
from a regular person's point of view, that it sounds utterly bizarre to think of being able to convince to condense what used to be days and weeks of testing into comparatively is a relatively short amount of online stuff. But is that is that sort of thing is is that is that viable? Is that is that realistic? Does it happen already to a, to a certain degree? What what is that? How does that element of virtual simulation feed into this, where you're able to do this and effectively artificially go testing? Before Matthias goes into the technical details, here's an example. A car has four tires. You can vary the tire pressure in these four tires. So you would not vary all four tires at the same time. So you vary the front left uh, tire pressure, you go a lap. Then the right front tire, you go a lap and so on. So just for four different tire pressures in four different tires, you'd have spent four laps at least on the racetrack with an in-lap and an out-lap. Well, obviously you do this by simulation and now uh, think of Formula One. You have all the springs, the dampers, uh, the the engine setups, the wing setups, the winglets, the front wing, the rear wing. So the, the matrix of things you can change and adjust is just enormous. So yes, and traditionally, even if you were advanced, you would take a vehicle dynamic simulation and do it yourself. But artificial intelligence helps you a lot, just shorten the process, eliminate uh, setup variants that you shouldn't even do uh, lap time testing on. We're now using in professional motorsports since more than 20 years vehicle dynamic simulation. Well, it has been used already in the 1960s, but without the aid of computers. It was just done on physical-based simulation. I think Mercedes was the first one in the 60s in Formula 1 uh, to choose what is the best gearing and what's the best gear ratios based on diagrams. Th- th- that's the same thing that you do uh, on the computer. So it's 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 based on the physics that we know. You do a mathematical model and then just you make simplified, more or less simplified calculations to find out and anticipate how fast this car might be under these conditions. Um, and then where can artificial intelligence help? We have this vehicle dynamic simulation and it's not only vehicle dynamic simulation. We use it through the entire development process. If you design a part, you use FE simulation for the structural integrity of a part. You don't want to build a thousand gearbox housings just to find out which one is the most lightweight that still does not break. We do that based on computer simulation. The big advantage on computer simulation is compared to testing, uh, is that you have a prototyping time of zero. If you have designed it, you already can simulate it. The big disadvantage is it is a mathematical model, which more or less represents reality sometimes better, sometimes worse. So you take these levels of testing, testing in certain lab environments, down to testing on the real track, to always see if you are still doing the right thing, if your simulation is kind of right. It never, it never depicts reality, but it comes close enough to give you the proper answers. That's the task of simulation, no matter where you go with. Can be CFD simulation for aerodynamics uh, development. You still need a wind tunnel to do a back-to-back comparison if what you are simulating still is right. You still need a back-to-back comparison to the real car on the real track to see if your wind tunnel, because it's just a lab and you have some certain side effects on a lab test, you have some certain side effects uh, on the simulation. Uh, where AI comes in that you don't make this big test plan. We can test all these different parameters. And if I just have two different parameters, let it be spring front, spring rear, and I only have two options there, I already have four tests that I need to do. So uh, it, 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 it's just... Uh, 
a potentially an exponentially huge number that I need to test. So AI or machine learning can bring in which are sensible parts that I can go forward. And the big advantage using pure simulations, it can be a sequential process. Sequential process in a way I do a variation, I do the simulation and evaluation and depending on the outcome of this evaluation, I do my next step. I just plan what is my next setup that I'm trying to do. And by that, I can reduce the number of tests or virtual tests that I need. This methodology will not work if I have a real prototyping process behind that, because if I have a machining time of a day, a week, a month to build a new prototype, I have to plan ahead. So, and there again, the engineer is asked, what is the right tool for the right approach to give me the most efficient way of answering my questions? And the question in motorsport is, is just twofold. On the one hand, what's the performance of my potential change? And will it will I make it or will I break it? It's a fascinating topic, isn't it? And, and the way AI works into, into motorsport, there's one fascinating area that isn't talked about a lot that it's not about simulation so much about design really about using ai and evolutionary algorithms for ex for example where you kind of set your selective pressures if you want to put that and then you can just send your ai off experimenting with things and theoretically if the, if the tool is is good enough it should come out with the right answer so it's it's just fascinating these different deployments is that kind of an area of interest to a company like avial i don't know whether you have an application for it Oh, we have a huge application for it. Uh, generating all the simulation data and generating all this, uh, this test data. Um, in the meantime, with cloud computing, the big problem has arised that we can do uh, a magnitude of simulations and generate so much data, but who's deciding which one is, was now the best? What, what is a good result? It's, it's hard to condense it complex questions in engineering condense it down to a number that you can easily have a metric behind it and say, this is better, this is worse. I have it on a scale of one to 10. And if I have the 10, I have the global optimum. Uh, so, and that's the same as in motorsports. Uh, of all these data that we're currently gathering and, and, and C2X communications, just another tremendous source of gathering additional data, who helps me decide? The machine will, mm, I don't see it in the next couple of years to do the decision to do engineering decisions, but being an aid in engineering decisions, taking this huge amount of data, uh, finding out uh, some, some patterns in the data and reducing the data down to, to the 100 possible solutions that might give a good result out of billions of possible solutions. So really distilling it down, that's what's currently also used in the... Uh, in the strategy simulation, if you use machine learning, if you use artificial intelligence in there, yes, you do all this parallel evaluation, what happens if, what happens if, what happens if, and then just bring it down to the three, four, five most promising decisions. And then still you need some level of creativity and try to be bold and, and risk something. And sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. But in the engineering discipline, using machine-based methods, um, and for us as a supplier, is much easier than for our customers, the race teams, because we provide tools and services and um, not suspect to such level of, of, of randomness as of, of our customers, because motorsport still, to a certain extent, is a sport, and unforeseen events can happen. I guess for a lot, a lot of people talking about this kind of thing, the, the thing that, that always leaps to mind for people is, is autonomous driving. And then you come down to autonomous race driving, that kind of thing. Where, where do you see that, that kind of thing? Having autonomous 
cars drive against each other yes yes i i i see there is a there's a potential market for people having an interest in showing that at least there is a potential market for people who want to show off that they their ai drive is better than the other ones i don't see a real reason to have or have artificial drivers match against human drivers that might be interesting as you said just for this one time where the ai beats the human and Uh, driving a race car around a track, uh, there will be a level of, of computerization where the, where a, an algorithm will be faster than a computer. Comparing it back to the mid nineties, uh, there was this one point where IBM's deep blue computer for the first time beat Kasparov in a chess game. Okay. We've done a check under that. Now we know that computers can play chess better than people. Still people love to challenge each other to a, to to a game you don't want uh you don't want to match against the perfect ai just to see that as a human you will lose anyways i think it's one of those areas where um i, I don't see it being one of those things where ai mixed ai and human competition becomes a a well established thing but i can certainly see it being a means to an end for example we talk about this um the sort of wider world application of uh, of artificial intelligence and autonomous technology comes in the sort of much bigger better connected world of of autonomous cars and that is something that humanity is deeply mistrustful of so let's say in 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 five years time being generous i've, I've seen the i've seen where robo race is now i can't imagine that a robo race car will be in a position to, to contest a le mans 24 hours in five years time but maybe i'm doing them a bit of a disservice uh, let's say in in five years time when the the vast majority of people are still skeptical about whether Uh, auto, uh, autonomous cars are, are, are still valid. If motorsport can present this environment that shows that an autonomous car is equal to the very best of human drivers, then maybe that has a part to play in terms of convincing people that the technology is valid. But I, I don't necessarily see it as a. We get, I don't see us having a Formula One World Championship that is has 15 human drivers in it and, and five uh, computer-controlled cars, shall we say. I actually love the idea of going through this phase where that challenge is happening, like you had with Deep Blue, like you had with AlphaGo more recently, with the Chinese Game Go, which is very complicated. That'd be a, that'd be a great storyline for people to get involved in for a period. As you say, once it's done, it's it's done and kind of that falls away. But that's that's a that's a way to get people interested in motorsport and autonomous driving. Manufacturers would love that, wouldn't they? If you could be the first, if you could come up with the first... AI driver that could beat Lewis Hamilton or whoever Lewis Hamilton's successor is that that would be as a one-off project interesting I think it wouldn't be that hard and I think technology already is there because the challenges to autonomous driving is not uh, the limited reality of a racetrack driving around a racetrack for a computer is relatively simple uh, the computer vision thing is not very hard it's not a lot of traffic you have no people crossing the road you have no kids playing on the side of the road so the real challenges that are with autonomous driving you will never encounter on the racetrack uh, and if you see what's currently being done on formulas just on Formula Student, where student teams are matching that on uh, on AI and autonomous cars, it's already pretty amazing how fast these cars go. Okay, I don't realize Formula Student would get involved in that and that kind of. Uh, there's a, there's a specific uh, challenge also for autonomous. So we have Formula Student ah, okay. conventional, we have electric and autonomous, and the top four teams, the algorithms you can see it on YouTube, they do uh, an installation lab where they learn the track. The first lab already is pretty darn fast. And the second lab, it's already iterating to become even faster. So I think that challenge might already, as of today, with the level of technology, if you want to be one, AI would beat or might beat Lewis. I guess it'll be 
we we will not see uh, autonomous cars without drivers but as we spoke uh, initially autonomous elements uh, of of that uh, uh, that technology and this again could be a showcase for uh, for an industry where motorsport has been also in the past in a safe environment uh, testing out things um, and I don't think uh, if you look back at at uh, traction control that was a sort of autonomous drive or or driver aid and uh, I guess it will again happen uh, and it will be again difficult to uh, police it because yes uh, actually it's forbidden we don't know really what's going on behind the scenes but not everything that is road relevant needs to be under competition traction control is a prime example there is no current uh, passenger car available without traction control, ABS braking, all these levels of, of, of driver assistance systems uh, are currently in every road car. You wouldn't want to, it's not necessary to have them under, under competition with motorsports. There, there is a difference, isn't there, between sort of the, the, the rise of uh, technology that almost takes care of itself and making sure that there's that fine line between complementing what we know and love about racing and the bit that takes over. Going back to, to Formula E, the, the debate over there is always, right, how far do you push the bit where the car's sort of sorting stuff out itself? How do you, do you go uh, in, into the realms of torque vectoring and... I, I know that that massively, massively split opinion because there are some people who think, well, why don't we just explore what an electric powertrain can do and what an electric car can do to its big, biggest extreme? And then the flip side of that is, well, then you just turn it into one giant driver aid. So how, how it's interesting. It's an interesting debate sort of how far you push it. And it's a, it, it must be quite a fine line to tread. Absolutely. And uh, also what I would think is if you... If you focus on Formula One and how you can win races from a start, uh, you focus on the start because that gives you an advantage. So, and I, I bet it's uh, fairly used uh, uh, artificial intelligence to predict uh, first corner outcomes and uh, train drivers. If you're like in the second or third row, how will others behave on? what they experience but also uh, you can't expect say a Fettler or Hamilton always be in first row so he might fear a second row start so he you have to predict if he has never had how he will happen what what he will do will he uh, turn left or turn right in front of you that helps you to win your own race or your your first corner race so to speak yeah so that's another fascinating area isn't it when you kind of use historic data to predict racing outcomes, which sort of sounds counterintuitive and that people think, well, there's so many variables, but that's what AI is, isn't it? It's all about that, that level historic data and, uh, and, and how you can use that to influence what you're, what you're doing now and save errors. Yes, but uh, that, that's the same thing that humans currently are doing in a post-race analysis, just using less data and less computational power and doing less comparisons. If, if at a race debrief, people sit together and, and just explore what-if scenarios, you just use a machine to help you finding out this or, 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 or refining this what-if scenarios. And I guess that could have potential applications in terms of, we keep talking about teams spending less money, that kind of thing. And it, it's cost-effective, isn't it, once you've 
once you built up that technology that simple proof for that it is cost effective is people are using it nobody's spending his money stupid i mean it's interesting there's all these applications and it's not this sort of thing's not talked about much in in motorsport and formula one why do you why do you think this isn't a thing that people are shouting about because it's it's fascinating stuff and it is that it is things that people can relate to because you've got all sorts of autonomous systems It, it is important but do you think it's just something that people are naturally don't react well to because they think it's something more far-reaching than than it is that is something that i personally really don't understand why motorsports isn't shouting out more about the achievements and the level of technology that is used a lot of other industries are using that and are proud of what technology they are using but still it seems that during the last 10 or 15 years uh, motorsports and most specifically formula one has been afraid of using complex technology yeah, but it is doing very complex things. Just think about the, the, the efficiency increase in 2014 that the F1 power unit had and just see the incre- efficiency increase between 2014 and 2019 of these high efficient powertrains that has, has been achieved. Think about Formula E. Formula E started, uh, having to change the cars mid race. Now they're using, uh, one battery to do the entire race at the same level of performance, even with, with higher power on the powertrain. So, uh, and transferring that over to the range anxiety that happens or that, that is out there for people trying to avoid electric cars. Formerly has doubled the range in, in just four seasons. Uh, there is a lot of achievement, but somehow um, we are afraid to tell that there are a lot of brilliant engineers doing a lot of very brilliant and complex things and just trying to bring that out to the market. I, I don't know. Uh, aerospace industry is, is is really proud of what they can do. I guess a little bit comes down to the competition between the teams, obviously, because if you, if you gain an advantage by a clever engineering idea, uh, naturally you would not shout it out to the world. So that, that sort of controls the distribution mechanism, I guess. Um, when, when we first started talking about this, Michael, you mentioned sort of that ability to have those systems that basically they're, they're able to monitor potential consequences basically of actions and and the reason i go back to that is because of what you just said matis about the the fact that there are other sports that shout about certain achievements and or, or they're not they don't hide the fact that they use technology can you foresee a world in, in this where you don't necessarily need four people sat in a room to decide certain things could this could these penalties be applied automatically given the wealth of data that's available and, and, and basically be have artificial stewards? They'd have uh, less criticism. You wouldn't have a, uh, a, a video camera trained on an art, a video steward, would you, and subject him to abuse on, on, on Twitter? <laughs> well, the answer is, is uh, very simple. It's a yes. Uh, my my soon-to-be son-in-law, he studies law uh, and he, he fears that because it's always a comparison on jurisdiction, is that he, he gets made redundant because uh, a computer can do that. And the same thing is, uh, is in Formula One. You compare what's allowed to what happened and declare if it was okay or not. And, uh, a human element brings just a gray area rather than a black and white area. 
And I think that would then also lead the discussion in the right spot because now criticizing the stewards for having to police something that is in the rules is the wrong thing. You need to discuss the rules and need to define the rules properly. Then policing the rules, that's a simple thing. And I think that's also something for the law system. If the laws are okay, then it's it should be a black or white decision. And if not, then the laws are not okay or not precise enough or not good enough. So we should, in, in, the, in, the, in the recent discussion that you were having, uh, not, not argue with the stewards, but uh, rather argue argue with the rules if they are correct it would cause a necessary simplification of the rule book because you're cert- you'd have certain rules that require a penalty which are it's very easy because it's a binary answer if if you have a speed limit there you go you don't why does that need to be referred to the stewards if a car has gone above the speed limit in the pit lane the data exists we can see it we can literally if, if you put on your on, uh, an onboard camera and you have the graphic up you even the viewer at home can say, well, the speed limit's 60 kilometers an hour. He's just done 65 kilometers an hour. That's a slam dunk penalty. You don't need to waste. There's no need to go to a stewards there. And then you move away from this because the drive, when, when drivers and teams have been clamoring for black and white rules over, over certain things, that has ended up complicating it because areas that should be left open to interpretation, you need to, to be a bit more flexible there and say, okay, well, that's just racing. So let that happen. Leave the rules, the hard and fast stuff to things that can be counted as a, as a specific rule break, uh, rule break, like four wheels beyond uh, a white line where you've got GPS data, like a pit lane speed limit breach. And then you've got a much simpler rule book that's easily applied because you've got fantastic data-based systems that are doing that job. You don't have to waste time with uh, needless steward decisions. The, the championship gets less bogged down in stuff that really doesn't matter. Data doesn't need to take over motorsport. It can complement it in a way that lets the human element come to the fore. Well, it's a wide-ranging discussion. We've covered all sorts of topics. So it's a fascinating one. And hopefully people have got a slightly broader idea of what of how these could apply in motorsport. It's not just about technology doing the job for people. It's, it's never that simple. It's, it's a much more uh, wide-ranging and uh, complicated thing. So thanks very much, uh, Michael Retzel and Matthias Stank, and also to Scott Mitchell. Maybe last word, because people might think, why do AVL people talk about this? We need to be ready when somebody decides now we go black and white and we need to provide the technology and the veri- to verify the technology and this is what we do. Already working on it. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thanks very much. Music is 6am by Trilo, written by Marcus Simmons. See soundcloud.com forward slash Trilo Music.
redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Oh, we're in for a long one. A long weekend, that is. And you deserve to spend it on the couch with a glass of something good. Luckily, there's Drizzly, the number one app for alcohol delivery. With Drizzly, you can compare prices on the biggest selection of beer, wine, and spirits. Then get them delivered quickly. So download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com today. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.